0: Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a Catholic podcast that explores topics within the Catholic faith to help us deepen our spiritual lives, own our relationship with the Lord, and strengthen His church. Hello and welcome. My name is Rochelle Lucero, and I'm the host of Clumsy Theosis. Thank you for joining me today. I'm super jazzed that you're here today because we're talking about the Beatitudes, which is our Lenten theme. But before we jump into that, I really want to give a warm thank you and just gesture of appreciation to Anthony and to Richard. These are the most recent donors to Clumsy Theosis, and if you feel like you have heard their names a number of times, you are right because they have taken it upon themselves to become monthly donors, even though I don't have a monthly donor platform, I guess. Um, set up. And so I'm very grateful for their dedication to monthly sign on and send donations to Clumsy Theosis. This show is only possible because of the donations from listeners like all of you. So please, if you would like to get involved and help me to spread Clumsy Theosis, please consider making a donation and you would make your donation by going to clumsytheosis.net. And then from there, you just click the word donate in the menu. All right. And one more thing. I want to remind you that Clumsy Theosis does have a weekly email in which I send out one email per week. And in that email, I share that week's episode as well as other insider information. Um, yeah. So I <laughs> that was weird, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to remind you guys that you can sign up for the weekly email. Also, Clumsy Theosis is available via social media. That would be Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Clumsy Theosis. If you just want to get involved, go ahead and find me on those platforms at Clumsy Theosis. Give me a follow and just jump in. All right. So without further ado, the Beatitudes. Okay. So last Saturday, I spoke at an all day Lenten retreat. And so today I want to share something that I spoke about during one of the talks that I gave. Since this Lent, we're focusing on the Beatitudes here at Clumsy Theosis, this is totally going to fit in and help us on our Lenten journey. Okay, so let me make a statement here, and then we're going to unpack this statement as we go along today. And that statement is, Jesus Christ is perfect Beatitude. All right, so we're going to take a few steps back to crack this statement open and to explain what it means, especially what it means to us, practically speaking and more immediately, like in the present day now, what it means to each of us individually during this Lenten season. So Gregory of Nyssa said that beatitude is a possession of all things that are held to be good, which makes perfect sense to me because we know that Jesus is God and God's nature is pure goodness. Also, if we're going to expand on this a little bit, remember that In Jesus's public preaching, he was announcing the kingdom of heaven, right? That was his mission. And when he was telling people about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, depending on which gospel you're reading, whichever title you have for it, the bottom line is that the kingdom that Jesus is talking about is Jesus's kingdom because Jesus is God, right? And with the Beatitudes, Christ is teaching us how to live as citizens in his kingdom, it's like he's issuing us an invitation. He's saying, hey, you, I love you and I want to spend all of eternity. So come and live with me in my kingdom. But before you do that, I got to let you know that the citizens in my kingdom live a certain way. They live like me, right? So those who live out the Beatitudes, they're modeling Christ. And with the Beatitudes, Jesus is giving us a road map to Theosis. And I think I need to write a talk about the Beatitudes, like a formal talk, and title it something like Roadmap to Theosis or um Roadmap to the Kingdom of Heaven or maybe even, gosh, I don't know, um Roadmap to Kingdom Living, something like that. But I mean that last one maybe sounds a little too like non-denominational Christian. But whatever. I mean I digress. The point is that I think that it's very important that we see the the very blatant connection between the beatitudes and living a life of theosis right these are not just some ideals that maybe one day we'll get to and we'll be able to fulfill no they are there to help us as we journey through this life of theosis but i think i think you get the point now right so the beatitudes they teach us how to live in the kingdom of god as souls who have been transformed to reflect christ himself and speaking of reflections Right. This is how I'm tying tying one topic to the next. Speaking of reflections, right? We want to reflect Christ Himself, right? And so this is the part this is the part from one of those talks that I gave over the weekend that I want to share with you. Right. So let me set this up. During Lent, we hear a lot about dying to ourselves or dying to the world, which does not sound appealing. I mean. I do it because I know that I will be better for doing it. I know that after I die to myself, I will like myself better. I will be closer to the Lord, which is my desire at all times. But when you're going through that whole dying to yourself thing, it is not appealing. But as I shared in my talk, there is actually an appealing way to understand death to self. And in my opinion, a very beautiful explanation, one that I remind myself of during those moments when I don't wanna to die to myself, during those moments when I'm acting like a toddler having a temper tantrum and I'm in front of God the Father and I just don't wanna do what I'm supposed to do, right? I think of iconography. Yes, iconography. Stay with me here. Icons are my favorite kind of religious art, but they are so much more than pretty pieces of art. Icons are windows into heaven. And we, in fact, you and me, we are all icons, right? We are intended to be windows into heaven by the way that we live, the way that we love, and the way that we are the presence of Jesus Christ in the world. But we know that we're not always windows into heaven, right? Because sometimes we become blurry icons. Things like Just time and our sins, or our mistake, or our general fatigue, you know, like me having my little temper tantrums in front of our Father in heaven, right? These things, they have made us blurry icons. And during Lent, we are invited in a very special way to stand in front of the icon of Christ and behold ourselves as if in a mirror. We are looking at our reflection. See, you see how I tied that in there? And when we do this, we are able to see the difference between us and Christ. And we are invited to look at our reflections and see how blurry our icons have become. Granted, at face value, this might sound like a very crappy experience, but really, I promise you, it's not. Because this is what's happening. When we look at our reflection and our blurriness is being shown to us by the Lord, not because he wants to be like, mm, look at that. Look at all the ways that you've sinned, look at all the ways that you've fallen. You're not good enough, blah, 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 yada, yada, you know, all these negative lies. No, he is doing this because he wants to show us all the places within us that he is seeking to restore, to restore, to be like him. And in that moment, when we allow to see Jesus' truth, which is ultimate truth, because he is God, right? When we see the ultimate truth of God that Christ is showing us, we are actually diving into reality which means that we're leaving the deceptions of this world and the distractions of this world behind us right we're dying to the world we're dying to ourselves and we're looking at the truth that Christ presents to us which is a much more appealing perspective in my opinion i find it so attractive and that's why i constantly remind myself <laughs> remind myself of iconography every time i feel like one of those little Um, toddler temper tantrums is on its way, right? I think, no, you know what? I want to be transformed to be like Christ. Let him show me what needs to happen in order for that to go down. But this also raises some questions, right? Like things like, okay, well, what will my blurry icon look like after Christ makes it unblurry? Well, it's going to look like Christ, of course. But more specifically, it's going to look like someone who is inhabiting the kingdom of heaven, right? going to look like one who is perfect beatitude. And now you can see that we've come full circle to that opening statement that I made today, right? That statement that said, Jesus Christ is perfect beatitude. So now I have a question for you. Why does Jesus show us the blurry parts of our icon that he wishes to restore within us to his glory? Why does he show us these things? I mean, we, we've we already covered that it's not to make us feel bad or to make us feel like you know, we're just sucking at being Catholic or we're sucking at, you know, living the kingdom of heaven. It's because he's asking for our permission. He's asking for our cooperation. And a way that we can cooperate is via the Beatitudes. So let's look at the Beatitudes from the perspective of cooperating with Christ and doing some self-evaluation with him in front of his icon, right? So using his icon as a mirror and seeing our reflection and seeing all of the places within us that he wants to restore to his glory. So the Beatitudes, as we read in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. So the first Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit is to be humble. It's to realize how utterly dependent on God we are for everything. And when we think of poverty, do we think of emptiness? I think of an emptiness that makes us perfect open vessels. And we're open vessels because we're ready to now receive God's will, right? We're ready to be filled with God's will. We've humbled ourselves and we have gotten rid of our will so that the Lord can fill us with his perfect will for our lives. But most importantly, being poor in spirit makes us able to accept our fallen nature. And then once we can see, yeah, there's a big difference between me and Christ. And then we can repent of those things that separate us from him. And then when we've repented, we can allow him then to lead us to conversion. And this is imperative. Being poor in spirit is imperative to true self-reflection, right? You have to be humble so you can see the truth, so that you can turn from it, and then you can allow the Lord to bless you upon all of the other blessings that he's already giving to you because he's converting you, he's transforming you to the glory of heaven. And so it's important for us to ask ourselves, are we humbled in the presence of the Lord? Do we just show up and say, Lord, just show me your truth, or do we go in there with like a list of excuses or reasons or explanations, or we have to tell them the story of why we're this way or why this thing happened, or do we just show up and say, yes, this is my current state, show me how I'm supposed to be, show me what you want me to be, and what you, with all of your grace, are going to transform within me. It's a big question. I think a lot of us have a problem with that. I know I do. I have to check myself a lot and, you know, stop explaining things to God because he already knows he was, he's been there through everything. You know what I mean? And then we also need to ask if we seek to be empty vessels to be filled with God's will. And this one was very difficult for me to accept. And sometimes I think I forget it or maybe it's just like selective. I have a selective um, memory on certain things. And this is one of them. Sometimes we desire things for ourselves that are good and that are holy, but they are not God's will for us, which is kind of hard for us to grasp sometimes to think like, why wouldn't the Lord want this for me? It's a good thing. It's a holy thing. But you know what? He wants something very unique for you, something that you might not be able to see at this moment in your life, but maybe in a week, a month, a year, a couple of years from now, you're going to see, oh, wow yeah, I followed the Lord's will and I am, I have been blessed beyond blessed because of it, you know, and you can look back and say, yeah, if I would have demanded that the Lord give me my will, I would have ended up in a very different place. And I'm glad that I followed the Lord's will because the Lord's will is perfect for me. So yeah, we need to meditate on this and ask, do I really seek to be an empty vessel? Lord, give me the grace to seek to be an empty vessel so that I can fulfill your will for me. Because we know deep down, we know that his will is perfect for us versus the things in this life that we're holding on to that he's like, just got to loosen your grip because I have something else, something better suited for you. And then the second beatitude is blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. When it comes to the beatitudes, St. Gregory of Nyssa, he saw them as building one upon the other. So Mourning comes after we've allowed ourselves to be poor in spirit, right? So after we've become poor in spirit and we've humbled ourselves to let Christ transform us, we begin to ascend in holiness, right? So the Lord is elevating us and we're becoming holier. And when we're being elevated, we now have a new vantage point. And from our new vantage point, our perspective is different, right? Because we're able to see the perfection of God a little bit more clearly because we're a little bit more holy, which is a good thing. But the downside to this, this is the reason why we mourn, is because when we're able to see God and his perfection more clearly and more fully, we are now able to see such a stark difference between fallen humanity and God's perfection. And so the reason that we mourn is considered a blessing because it creates in us a desire to be transformed by Christ, right? Because we can see now more clearly, since we've started to grow in holiness, we can see the perfection of God a little bit more clearly. And then we can see the difference more clearly between the fallen nature of humanity and God's perfection. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. But the reason we feel that like, that morning sense is because we do not want that stark difference to exist. We want to be as close to the perfection of God as possible, right? And so that's the desire that comes that is considered blessed because once we have that desire to be more like Christ, we can surrender ourselves more fully and be like, look, just restore me to your image. So we have to ask ourselves, is this us? are we ready? Are we honestly ready to see our reflections in Christ? Are we ready to trust that when we see our reflections in Christ, what he shows us is only being shown to us because he wants to restore what is fallen and broken within us to glory, to something that we could never achieve on our own, right? We have to ask, are we ready for that? Do we trust that? And if we don't, and if we're not ready, why not? And I hate to do this, as you can see, we've kind of run out of time a little bit today. So we're going to have to pick up the rest of the Beatitudes in next week's episode. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, we needed to set this foundation. We needed to talk about the um, connection between iconography and dying to ourselves and the connection between that and the Beatitudes, which we're covering this Lent. It paints a elaborate spiritual picture of what's going on And what the Lord is calling us to do this Lent. And also, I think that these two beatitudes, these are foundational in order for us to explore the other ones more deeply and more fully. So throughout this week, I invite you to meditate on both of these two beatitudes and ask yourself these questions that I brought up. Um, What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna sit in front of an icon of Christ. You can do that or sit in front of the Eucharist or a crucifix, um, and just look at the Lord and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, just like the prophet Samuel did. And meditate on these two beatitudes and see what he reveals to you and and see what he does within you. And I don't want anyone to rush. So I think also it's important that we just have one week to look at these two, because we have a couple weeks left of the Lenten season. And this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. This is about really digging deep and letting the Lord work within us to uproot things that need to be uprooted so we can repent from them so that he can come in and, you know, work his mystical grace within us and transform us. So until next week, everyone, I am praying that you are having a blessed Lent. I'm also praying that you are staying safe in the face of the COVID-19 epidemic. Um, I'm praying for the world. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for the Lord's mercy to fall upon us. Please join me in those prayers. And you can reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Clumsy Theosis. And on a very serious note, if you enjoyed this episode, if you learned anything, if you felt challenged or inspired, or it was just a pleasant experience in any way for you. I want to ask you if you would please share this episode with a friend. You can do that via text message, email, social media. It really helps out the ministry. It helps spread the word of what we're doing. And more importantly, it reminds and even informs people that they have been invited to live a life of theosis so that they can live out the glory of heaven and build up the church here on earth and in heaven. And if that is not a good enough reason for you to share clumsy theosis, then I have no idea what will persuade you. Until next week, everyone, peace out.